Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Our relationship with God isn't based on anything like family connections, national connections, racial connections. The only way a person connects with God is through doing God's will, which in the context here means basically believing in Jesus. And of course, that's the big picture of scripture, right? All people are welcomed into the family of God. All people come the same way through putting their faith in Jesus. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 3, verses 28 through 30, in a message titled, The Unpardonable Sin. Now, here's Pastor Brian. We are continuing our series through Mark's gospel, and we're going to be looking together at the verses that we read. And the message title today and kind of the emphasis that we're going to put on the message today is the unforgivable sin, because this is the place where Jesus makes reference to that. And it's interesting when you think about the fact that Jesus mentions an unforgivable sin. It's interesting, especially because the very essence of the gospel that was expressed in prophetic hope long before Jesus came into the world was, you know, that sin was going to be taken care of. Sin would be forgiven. Take, for example, the Lord speaking through Isaiah the prophet. He said this, "'Come, let us settle the matter,' says the Lord." Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. So this this is a prophetic word. God is talking about, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cleanse sin. And then, of course, Jesus comes. And so after the fact, the Apostle John, looking back on uh, what Jesus accomplished on the cross, Uh, He said this, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses a person from all sin. And yet, Jesus, the one who offered one sacrifice for sin forever and sat down at God's right hand, he's the one who says here in these verses, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Wow, think of that. Jesus said that. So it's, it's quite interesting, really, to consider it. You have the whole you know, thrust of the prophetic message pointing toward what God would ultimately do through Christ in forgiving sins. But Jesus says that there is a sin that is unforgivable. So that's what we're going to consider today. But, but before we do that, let's take a moment and just want to look at a few things from the passage that we read together today. So first thing I want you to notice is uh, regarding Jesus here, we see in verses 20 and 21 that as, as he went out about his ministry, it says that his own people, which basically means his family, 
that they heard about what he was doing, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Think about that. <laughs> so my, the point that I want us to, to understand here today is Jesus had a fully human experience to the point that he was rejected by his own family. And the reason I bring that up is because sometimes we think of Jesus and, and we view him just through the lens of his deity. Now, we who are Christians or we who know what the Bible says, we know that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh, but, but sometimes that causes us to miss the human experience that he had. Yes, he was God who came in the flesh, but he was also 100% human. And so he has like the full human experience here of being rejected by his family. Did you know that Jesus had brothers and sisters? The other gospels tell us that he had four brothers and he had at least two sisters because the sisters are referred to in the plural sisters. We don't know the names of his sisters, but we do know the names of his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And what we also know is that they would not believe in Jesus until after his death and resurrection. Then they did believe in him. And we know, of course, that James and Judas did because James was the leader in the early church in Jerusalem. He's the author of the epistle of James. And Judas, who's the brother of James, is the author of the little letter from Jude. And they were the brothers of the Lord. But in his ministry and in his life, there in the home, he was basically rejected by his family. So when he went out and began his ministry, his family said, he's lost his mind. We have got to go save him from himself is basically what they went out to do. So his family says he's lost his mind. Second thing, look at this. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub and by the ruler of demons, he cast out demons. So his family says he's nuts. The religious establishment says he's doing this by the power of the devil. So they did very literally demonize Jesus. And of course, when people have no legitimate means of contending with someone they disagree with, they then revert to slander. And that's what they're doing. They're slandering Jesus. This is what we call an ad hominem attack. Ad hominem comes from the Latin, which means to the person. And the idea is that you go for the person, you attack the person. We see that today in our crazy vitriolic cultural moment. Uh, if you can't beat somebody in an argument, if you don't have a sufficient argument to disprove them, then you just go after them as a person. You slander them. You call into question their character. And that's exactly what was happening to Jesus. These men, they would do anything to discredit Jesus. The third thing that I want us to see real quickly, we see that the only way to connect with God for anybody is through, as it says here, Jesus said, they that do the will of God. So his family came, they were there, 
Uh, the assumption was that they had some kind of priority because of the family connection. Jesus, your, your, your mother and your brothers are here. And Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he looked around at those with him and said, these are my mother and brothers. For those who do the will of God, or as Luke tells us, those who hear God's word and do it, they are my mother and brothers and sisters. So point is this, our our relationship with God isn't based on anything like family connections, national connections, racial connections, none of those things matter. The only way a person connects with God is through doing God's will, which in the context here means basically believing in Jesus. And of course, that's the big picture of scripture, right? All people, regardless of family background, regardless of nationality, regardless of race, all people are welcomed into the family of God. All people come the same way through putting their faith in Jesus. So those three things, I just wanted to touch on those real quick, but I want to come back to uh, the issue here in verses 22 through 30. So let me just read over those verses again, and then we'll focus in on verses 28 through 30. But so the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men. And whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said he has an unclean spirit. So blasphemy. Now remember, they often accuse Jesus of blasphemy. When he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven, they said, this is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God? And so they often were doing that. But now Jesus says to them, he warns that they're on the verge of blaspheming the spirit, which he says is an unforgivable sin. So he's talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So here's the first question. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me tell you what it is not before I tell you what it is. It is not an irreverent or slanderous word or rant against God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, prophet, the Bible. It is not that, according to the Bible. So as a matter of fact, Jesus even mentions here, although it's not clarified in Mark, it's clarified in, um, I I think it's Matthew or Luke, it's clarified that that Jesus says that, that even... Uh, blasphemies against him personally would be forgiven. So this blasphemy of the spirit is not speaking slanderously or irreverently. A a person who does that can still be forgiven and doesn't come into that category of, of committing an unforgivable sin. So what is the blasphemy of the spirit? Well, in order to understand what it is, you kind of have to just 
you know, look at all of the scripture on what, what the scripture teaches about what can't be forgiven. And here's really what it comes down to. The blasphemy of the spirit is really the wholesale rejection of the work of the spirit, which is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment and lead people to salvation in Christ. That's the work of the spirit. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. So that's the great sin. The great sin is not believing in Jesus. It's not receiving Jesus. The, the blasphemy of the spirit is to resist the spirit's efforts to convict us of sin and to bring us to that place of salvation. Hebrews chapter 10 defines it like this. It's defined as trampling underfoot the son of God, counting the blood of the covenant by which we were sanctified a common thing and insulting the spirit of grace. So that's really, that's a description of what Jesus is talking about here. Trampling underfoot the son of God. So in other words, it's a complete disregard for Christ, for the blood that he shed for us, and for the work of the Spirit to bring us to repentance. It's a, it's a complete disregard of that. It's, it's a total indifference toward it. That's what it is that is being talked about here. Now, notice though, because it might seem like I'm contradicting what the passage itself says, uh, but I'll show you in a moment I'm not, because it, it says, uh, so Jesus said, um, he who blasphemes the spirit, uh, against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation because they said, Mark is adding, because they said he has an unclean spirit. So Mark says that it was what they said that caused Jesus to warn them about the blasphemy of the spirit. And I just said a moment ago, it's not saying a word or going on a rant. So which is it? Well, here's the thing. You see, it's what they said was revealing where their hearts were. That's what Mark is telling us here. It revealed that their hearts were set in immovable opposition to the convicting work of the Spirit. You see, they're right there and they are witnessing the work of the Spirit through Jesus. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is, you know, restoring and blessing and, you know, he's doing all of this stuff. And they said, he's doing that by the power of the devil. And that revealed that their hearts were so resistant to the work of the Spirit that they would even attribute the work of the Spirit to Satan. So you see, it was these words, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It was these words that indicated where their heart was. And so they were near to that point of crossing over the line that would be the point of no return. That's what Jesus is warning about here. Now, the passage doesn't even tell us that they had done it yet, but Jesus is warning that they're getting close to that line because Jesus goes on and he continues to appeal to them. He continues to challenge them. He continues to seek to draw them to himself. But if they persist, then they will prove that they have 
blaspheme the spirit through their rejection of him. So that brings us to what Jesus spoke of here as the unforgivable sin. There's only one sin that's unforgivable. As the passage says here, it's, Jesus said it, assuredly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. So whatever sin you can think of, however horrible, however evil, however vile, however perverted, whatever you can think of, it can all be forgiven. Because Christ died for all of those sins. But the one thing that can't be forgiven is to reject the one who can forgive. You see, that's the, that's the whole thing. The, the forgiveness of all of these sins is bound up in the blood of Jesus Christ. As John tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The scripture tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. Now, let me say this. Some people would just say, well, you know, I don't need the blood of Jesus to be forgiven. I can, I can just be forgiven by asking God to forgive me. There, there are plenty of people that think that. There are plenty of religions that teach that. But yet, the Bible, both Old and New Testament, are very clear that sin cannot be atoned for, forgiven, cleansed, apart from the shedding of blood. The Old Testament, the context of that was the animal sacrifices, but those animal sacrifices were all pointing toward the sacrifice that Christ would make when he came. And so the New Testament understanding, the biblical understanding really is summed up well in some of the words from that, that great hymn, Rock of Ages. And there's a stanza there that reads like this, not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's commands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. That's biblical theology right there. You know, keep trying to keep the law, shedding tears for my failure to do so. None of that can atone. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can atone for sin. So the unforgivable sin is to refuse the only one who can forgive you. That's it. That's the unforgivable sin. Now, I want to say a word to those, and maybe you're here in this room today, or maybe you're listening to this through another means, but I want to say a word to those who have feared that perhaps they have committed the unpardonable sin, because I have talked to many people over the years who have thought that very thing. I have talked to people where it has ended up having extensive sessions with them to try to show them that they hadn't done it. I've spoken to people in conversation on a, on a phone. I've answered questions on the radio regarding this. So if there's anybody who's listening to me right now, anybody in this room, or, or let's say in another way, and you're fearful that you have done this, the very fact that you're listening, the very fact that you're here, the very fact that you would even be concerned about it, 
is an indicator that you haven't done it. So just know that. If you're worried that you've done it, you haven't done it. Because the person who's done it, guess what? They're not worried about it. They couldn't care less. You see, what we're describing here is a total and complete indifference to this issue of salvation. Just, it's, it's not even on their radar. They, they don't care in the slightest. Like the, the Hebrews passage says, it is trampling underfoot the Son of God. The Son of God, who's he? Doesn't matter, just walk right over him. The blood that Jesus said, shed, what's that? They count it as a common thing. It's no different than the blood of a cat. It's no different than any other substance that's spilled out. It's, it's just, it's meaningless. And the spirit, I'm not concerned about that. See, that's the person who's, if they're not there already, they're drawing close to there. But the person who says, oh no, I, I think, and I, I've actually had people say to me, you know, well, I remember this one time years ago. I, you know, I was angry and I just said, uh, you know, blankety blank Holy Spirit. And I, I think I did it. No, you didn't do it. You did not do it because that's not what it is. And like I said, the fact that you're concerned shows that you didn't do it. But guess what, man? The devil, he loves this kind of stuff. And he loves those passages. You know, the devil has favorite Bible verses. Did you know that? He has favorite. I'm sure if he has his own copy, they're underlined. And I'm sure when he's training the other demons, he says, okay, these are your key verses. Use these. And when somebody, you know, slips and says something that's blasphemous, be, get right there and tell them that when you sin willfully, there's, that's it. You sin willfully and there's no further sacrifice for sin. And you know, many people fall for it. Many people believe it and many people fall into a state of condemnation and they live in utter torment because they're fearful that they've done it. Like I said, simply, if you're concerned about it, you did not do it because the one who has done it has no concern. Now, moving on to our third and, and final point here. In the very context itself, Jesus, he references eternal condemnation. He says, but the person who blasphemes against the spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Jesus said that hell is real and that people will go there. When Jesus speaks of eternal condemnation, that's what he's talking about. Condemnation, a synonym for condemnation is judgment. He's talking about eternal judgment. Now let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So Brian, a lot of people don't know this about you, that you actually love the Elisa Childers podcast. Yes, I do. And Elisa Childers on there, she deals with some of the issues of our time, especially those who are involved with kind of progressive Christianity or taking Christianity in a non-gospel direction. Yes. And her podcast is fantastic, and she has written a book, and the book is called Another Gospel. And yes, progressive Christianity is essentially a Christianity that wants to 
have the kingdom without the king. They want to leave the hard truths out of the biblical narrative and just sort of have a watered-down kind of a Christianity for today. But they're very persistent and wanting to push this on others as well. So Elisa had an experience in a church where she was subjected to this presentation of progressive Christianity, which caused her to really dig down deep and reestablish her own roots in the faith and then have a passion to talk about this issue. And so she ended up writing this great book called Another Gospel that I would highly recommend. It's going to give you like the up to the moment issues that are being talked about in churches around the country today. And so I highly recommend it. So that's Another Gospel by Elisa Childers with a forward by Lee Strobel. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. You can order the book Another Gospel by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers to help you wrestle with the idea of progressive Christianity. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.